You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. They call it social distancing, a concept that some members of the Dan Patrick show have been practicing for years. Uh, I remember this girl going, gross, get away from me. (laughs) Some members of the show struggle giving people personal space. I think we all need to hug as often as possible during the breaks, after the show, before the show. Never with you, ever. But with recent events, it's important to remember that the Dan Patrick Show is available with no human interaction. None. No. No. So listen on your radio, via podcast, or even YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. A safe place to go. Dan Patrick. Welcome to the Dan Patrick Show. Temporarily not working from home or the studio. Basically, what I'm saying is Dan Patrick is off today. Broadcasting from the Mercedes Studios in Los Angeles. In for Dan Patrick. Uh, hey, I want to thank you guys for filling in, too. The reaction has been great. Is Jason Smith and Rob Parker. Greetings. Welcome inside Hour 2 of the Dan Patrick Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Dan and the Danettes have the week off, a planned week of vacation. They'll be back on Monday. And, uh, Rob, you and I spent the last hour uh, arguing about the National Football League and Tom Brady. And, you know, it's already in my timeline, people are, are hashtagging stuff with H-Boat, which is uh, the hashtag. The Hoboat. You're the Hoboat right now. That's right. The heinous <laughs> brother of all time. That's what Chris Moussard calls me. I like that, the Haboat. I think that's Habot. a pretty good nickname. I like that. <laughs> Rob Parker. Uh, now, are you uh, doing your show this afternoon? You back on with Chris this afternoon? Yes. Uh, uh, we will be back on uh, 4 to 7, of course, Pacific Time, The Odd Couple, and 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. So, yes, double dipping. Are you doing a show or are you off tonight? No, I'm off. I did the show last night, and uh, I got done at 11, and now I, I was back on this morning, yeah, so I'm early. actually off tonight. It's a quick nice. turnaround. It's a quick oh, yeah. turnaround. It's, Big you know, time. It's, it's one of those things where I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to bed, and now the alarm clock goes off, and oh, now I'm up again, and I'm doing another show. Okay, it's, a, it's doing nine hours of radio in a, in a 15-hour span. It's actually, oh, yeah. It's, it's a lot of work. Fun. And uh, we've done a number of shows together filling in, and it's always fun. So uh, buckle up for the next two hours. Uh, we still got more to go. <laughs> uh, we got more NFL on the way, but the NBA for a bit here. As Look, every day I, I get, we're still only a couple weeks into this coronavirus and isolation, and everybody's getting kind of antsy. They want to know when things are going to return to normal, even though you know we keep being urged caution by the experts, which always listen to the experts. You know, because, And because sports is is still uh, the live sports that we have, that we are used to getting every day it's still very fresh in our minds uh you know the 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 talk about them coming back dominates every single day i mean it's weird i don't know that we can keep having conversations every day as to when sports are going to come back is it coming back today but we're getting new plans at least to pass the time from the nba from the nhl from major league baseball as they try to figure out what their plans are to when they do resume playing and, you know, of all the things we've heard the past the past few days about what's going to happen with the NBA, because the NBA, I think everybody is looking to the NBA to be the leaders here because, look, the NBA shut down the United States because of Rudy Gobert. Once Rudy Gobert's positive test was out, we had no sports. That was the last night of sports. Then the next day we started to realize that we weren't having it for a while. Isolation started and, and we really dealt with the coronavirus head on because that was the big uh, talking point for it. 
the NBA keeps putting out ideas of, hey, this is what we can do to continue to, to play and maybe finish this season. And it's really admirable with all these plans. And the big one this week has been, hey, we're going to go to Vegas and we're going to put the players in kind of a quarantine and they're going to finish the season somehow, whether it's everybody plays at least you know three games to finish the quote regular season and then have the playoffs in Vegas. And I, I get that this is very ambitious and I understand this, but uh, Rob, do you think this is a feasible thing to see the NBA actually playing in Vegas to finish a season like that? I, I just don't see it. I, I understand why they want to get the season back on. They've already lost a ton of money from the incident with Daryl Morey and the uh, China situation early this year. Remember that, Jason? That hurt the NBA. And now to lose the TV money that goes with these games and playoffs. So I, I get it. Financially, they want a season. They want and, and they're coming up with all these ideas. No fans and we'll, we'll sequester all the players and they'll all be in the same spot. But I don't know if they can guarantee that people will still be safe in that environment because it's not about, Jason, uh, 10 players, a basketball, a referee, and two coaches. There's a lot of support people that also have to be involved in order to make a basketball game, a professional basketball game run, and there's just a chance. What if you have these guys there and somebody has a family emergency, uh, right, and they have to leave to go see their family or circumstance or situation? There's so many other things that, that that are involved that I can't believe that players are going to sign off on it. I know they want to make their money. I know the league wants to make its money. But I, I think it's far-fetched. Uh, Jeff Van Gundy, of course, uh, ESPN analyst for the NBA, says he, he thinks the season will be canceled ultimately that uh, to try to get players back in shape and ready to go when, Jason, if you're looking at three months of not playing, remember, unless you have a gym in your home, and most guys don't, even as rich as they are, most people don't, you, don't, you can't work out. Uh, and, and then a lot of guys, are, are, you, are you out of shape because you're not going to the gym? You can't do the things that you want to do. I, ju- I just think it's far-fetched. Well, I, I look at two things that tell me this is, this is not going to happen. And, 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 and one is, are they really going to be in isolation and quarantine? Are they really going to go to Vegas and that's going to be their lives? You're not going to see anybody. You're not going to go out. You're going to play a game and go to the hotel. And you're going to be by yourself. You're just going to be with the guys on your team. And you're going to be isolated away from your family and everybody else for the next month or month and a half or, or two, whatever it's going to be. I, I, I don't see that as being something the players want. I don't see every team wanting to continue this season if you're a team that's 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 at at the bottom of the standings and you know if you're the hawks or the knicks or the warriors or a team like that and it's and it's hey we're going to go play three games to end this season i think some of those teams are going to go yeah you know we're not sold on that i i don't know that it's going to be safe and and none of our guys really want to go do this so we're not going to go play i mean i can see and i can see nba players saying that and the players are way more powerful than they are in any other sport adam silver has elevated the players almost to there's two commissioners there's silver and his co-commissioner are lebron james and the nba players and, and they're the ones that are going to make the decision on this but you know with that being said just the fact that i don't know that you're going to be able to take players and tell them that listen it's not safe to have the crowds but it's safe for you guys to play against each other where you guys are banging and you are swapping body 
fluids, and that's okay. I don't think players are going to be down for that. Because look at what the, the Chinese Basketball Association did earlier this week. They tried they to getting, start it up, right? Right. They tried, but what did they realize? Wait, there's too many people that could be asymptomatic of the virus, and they still could spread it. We have to push it back. That's going to be a really big thing that players, once we get to the point of coming back, I get that the players now are like, yeah, we're, we're, we're ready. We're loaded on coming back. We, we, you know, we really want to play. We want to keep this going. But when it gets down to it and the NBA says, okay, here are the games and we have to do this to make it really, really super safe, players are going to uh, falter on that and they're going to waver and go, ooh, but is it really super safe or do we need to wait a little bit longer and make sure this thing doesn't come back and I'm not at any risk entirely? I think a lot of players, when it comes down, down to it are going to go, yeah, I don't know about that. I think we need a little bit more time. And suddenly that's going to throw the NBA's plan up in chaos. All of those things I see is happening before the NBA tips anything off in Vegas. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. And, and I think ultimately, uh, you know, the players will, will of course, because once they decide that they're not doing it, it's all over. You know, um, I thought uh, you, you saw that and you and you even mentioned about some teams not being down with it as well. I could see that. Remember, the NCAA uh, March Madness tournament got canceled. You know when it got canceled, Jason? It got canceled when Kansas and Duke said, that's nice, you can have the tournament, but we're not coming. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. Then all of a sudden, oh, yeah, wait a minute. Yeah, we better cancel it. Because they were trying everything. Oh, let's do it with, without the fans. Let's do this. Let's do that. They, were try they wanted the money from CBS and TNT and, and TV. I get it. There's a lot of money at stake. But you can't – there's no price you can put on players' safety and their health. And, and again, three months if, – if, if it is three months later that you have to sit out, what kind of basketball are we getting? Are we putting people in harm's way, Jason, that they hadn't played in three months and now we're trying to restart the basketball season? I don't think that's good. You know, it's funny you say that. Uh, the Dan Patrick Show, Jason Smith and Rob Parker in for Dan and the Danettes because that's kind of was, was Rick Buecher's big point this week. Uh, Fox Sports 1 NBA insider who went on Colin Coward's show and said, hey, I don't think LeBron actually wants any part of the playoffs. And some of the things he's been saying, did an interview with Richard Jefferson in his road trip and podcast last week saying that, well, I don't want to play if we don't have fans. What's it going to be like if I'm going for a loose ball against somebody who had coronavirus? Am I going to think twice about it? And it just doesn't seem like he's as into the playoffs as, you know, you think he would be. And, you know, Rick Buecher and said that, listen, LeBron just doesn't want to restart again because now the Lakers are at a, a real kind of disadvantage. And, you know, LeBron is just kind of everything that, that he's saying comes from that space right now is, okay, now after having whatever kind of time off, here's a veteran team and I have to try to get my body back at, you know, 35 years old to, to, to get me back to where I need to be, then it's going to be too tough tough and every time you know LeBron talks and he says stuff uh like we talked about the other night putting out his best uh highlights of all time on on social media and doing a some kind of chat about it I feel like LeBron is just you know he's sitting at home and he's talking and and I wonder how much he wants to continue on with the playoffs and how much any player wants to continue on with the playoffs when it's all said and done if they're really thinking about okay is it really that important to play this season versus being safe and then coming back when we get absolutely clean bill of health which could be next year and, and the other part is while LeBron maybe doesn't want to restart the team in his way the the Clippers 
those guys probably have gotten healthy. They're younger. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They were the ones who, who weren't playing their full team or roster, and they've been rested. So when they come back, they're going to be in even better shape because they've gotten the time off to get healthy. So I agree. I don't, I don't think that that's going to be something LeBron wants to even deal with. Now, when it comes to LeBron and his normal or his normal social media outpourings that usually come late at night somewhere, whether it's a podcast or him online because he's bored. Uh, I know you're not a big fan of him going forward with this. Hey, here's some of my best highlights of all time. And and I'm going to put this out there and take questions and go over some of the big moments of my career. Not at all. And Jason, when I heard that originally, I thought to myself, Here's LeBron James trying to upstage Michael Jordan. And because ESPN had just announced that they were what? Moving up the 10-part documentary, right? About that final championship year, right? With the Bulls. Mm -hmm. So I thought to myself, you know, LeBron is convinced that he was the GOAT. Remember, when he came back from the 3-1 deficit to the Warriors, that's when he proclaimed that he was the GOAT and he knew it. Um, Not that most people think that he is the GOAT. Most believe Michael Jordan is. But this is a chance for him to when everybody is like, you know, like all the LeBron minions who refuse to acknowledge Michael Jordan as the greatest of all time. You know, they can watch Jordan's thing and then LeBron puts out his highlights. Well, remember when I did this? Remember when I I went against this team? So it just seemed kind of suspicious to me that right after that, he decides that he wanted to do. And remember, the whole thing was half baked because he hasn't even really thought it out. Am I going to put it on Instagram? Uh, maybe I'll just hold on to it. Maybe I'll do it later. Just the whole uh, notion that he put it out there without really going through it or thinking about it or saying, hey, I've been working on this for a while. Maybe because uh, content is low, this might be the time. It just seemed suspicious. And maybe I'm one of those guys, but that was the first thing I thought of. Why is he coming out with this now, especially with the Jordan um, uh the, the the Jordan, uh, what is the it? Thirty part, for thirty. Yeah, yeah. The ten part documentary. Ten part documentary. So see, uh, the, I, it's I called I, the Last Dance. I take it from a different perspective on it because I disagree on on LeBron doing this to upstage Jordan. It is a lot of times when he says something, I think he's saying it because he's very calculated. Look, LeBron always is is calculated about what he has to say, and the stuff about starting the season, I think, is him. You know, sending a, a, a big flare up telling uh, Adam Silver, you know what, just because you guys want to start the season up so bad doesn't mean all of us players are going to be down for it when it happens. But then there's times where I think like LeBron just does things and says things, and it's part of who LeBron has been his career where sometimes he just says stuff that's a bad idea and is polarizing. You know, and, and that's then that's one thing you can say for LeBron, whether he was 19 or 20 or now at 35, is sometimes he says things and it, you know, it, it polarizes us because it's not something that you would say. It's not something you would normally see somebody say. Like, I don't think this this situation here with with Jordan is because he wants to over shadow Jordan, because like what, what's going to be the difference? You know, you're talking about LeBron late at night on social media going over his biggest plays versus a a 10-part documentary on ESPN that's going to be, you know, 10 weeks long or whatever it is with here's Michael Jordan and what people are going to be tweeting about and talking about every single night because the desire to see this is so big. I just think this was LeBron going, oh, yeah, they're going to – if he's doing as what, he, what you think he is saying, oh, Jordan's going to do that, I should do that. 
You know, I, I just, do that, believe that, that because oh, I just, should do that, and I could do that first, and that's something I'm going to do next week, and then I'm going to be on to something else. But you just said it. Everybody will be talking about it and tweeting about it. It will just shed more light. LeBron James to this day is still in competition with Michael Jordan, whether people want to believe it or not. I know they they, they don't, can't play against each other, and Mike hasn't played in 15 or 20 years or whatever, 15 years or whatever it's been. But that's not the, he is still chasing that. He might have said that he's the goat, but he deep down knows that he hasn't convinced other people. And and you said it, social media, everybody getting a chance to watch the Jordan thing. For a lot of millennials who really don't know the Michael Jordan story, they don't. They 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 haven't seen it. So so here's a chance for you to look at what he was able to accomplish, the second three peat with the Bulls, and and I think LeBron realized that and was like, what can I do to kind of get a little attention during this time and get people to understand and see all the stuff that I've accomplished? I really believe it's more calculated than you think. This wasn't just some random thought at, at the, uh, in the middle of the night with nothing to do. This was how can I keep my, uh, my minions still locked in on where I am, how great I am, and that I'm the GOAT. When this whole Michael Jordan, a 10-piece documentary, I mean, not too many people get that. 10-piece. So, you know, you might get a 10-piece of chicken, but a 10-piece documentary <laughs> is highly unlikely for most people. Hey, when I used to get the 18 McNuggets, be able to eat all of them pretty easy, I mean, that's back in my big eating heyday. When it was like, oh, man, I'll tell you what, 18 McNuggets, I'll down that in about 10 minutes. Wow. No, but I, I, look, it, this is not like LeBron is going to, to time things out and say, okay, every night that the Jordan documentary airs, I'm going to look at the best. No, uh, he'll do it know, the game. night before. Uh, it, Right. But what he's going he's gonna to do it once, and then he's going to be on to something else because that's kind of what LeBron does. I, look, I, not everything is well thought out. I don't think LeBron well thought out the move to Miami. You know, this was him and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh in the Olympics going, hey, this would be fun if we all played together, wouldn't it? Yeah, it'd be, yeah, let's go do it. What could possibly go wrong? And then look at all the stuff they had to overcome those four years that were much more difficult than LeBron thought it was. You know, sometimes it just things aren't well thought out, and this is one of those things where I think he just said, oh, you know, Jordan's doing that. I'll do that too one day you know maybe one day next week i'll set it up and i'll take questions and then i'm going to do something else the week after and something else the week after that i i you know i i don't think this is going to be met with a okay how do we you know siphon things away from jordan and 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 make sure i get all the attention instead of him because look you're not going to overshadow it you know like i said it's one thing for lebron to show some highlights and take questions on social media versus the power of this documentary that you know has been moved up because so many people want to see it. I mean, look, how many people really want to sit back and say, hey, I really can't wait for LeBron to show the highlights of his career? You know, not many. You know, it's like, okay, because I've, I've, I've seen LeBron. He's got a following out there. And... Yeah, but, but the average person, the average sports fan is, all right, I've seen LeBron's high, and I'm interested to see what he has to say after. You know, it's like it's like when a when a celebrity writes a book. Oh, here comes a big book coming out. Does anybody read the book or no? Ahead of time, we get all the best passages and we find out what's being said and we talk about it. And that's how you consume it. That's kind of this thing with LeBron. Okay, I don't think people are really going to go and go watch him do this. But if he says something, will we talk about it after? Sure. Whereas this documentary with Jordan is everybody's going to want to see it and talk about it. Just like when a Ric Flair documentary goes on or Andre the Giant, whichever one uh, you know that is is gaining a lot of attention because sports stocks are really powerful. And, you know, that's the difference, I think, between the Jordan and, and LeBron aspect of what they're both trying to do here. 
And speaking of books, if you're looking for something to read, pick up my book, If I'm Writing, I'm Ripping, (laughs) (laughs) Amazon.com. It's a collection of uh, columns that I've written. I think you'll enjoy it. There's some LeBron and Tom Brady columns in there as well. Oh, my God. That is a shameless book. Hey, pick up my book, Rob Parker is Always Wrong. It's available on Amazon right now. It's just it's coming out, and uh, it's also under the title, Boy, He's Really Shameless. So I have the alternate title working as well. So you just go on a whole thing, a whole rant about how LeBron is trying to take attention away from Jordan, and you plug it with your book at the end. I just want, you know, I'm trying to help out America during this time. You pick up a book you're looking to read. So, again, well, come on. And the title, there's no better title. If I'm writing, I'm ripping. It's no, that's a great it title. It's, it's a far way away from when you and I did the show earlier this week, and you pumped your new podcast and couldn't remember the name of it. Uh, yes. You mean... Um, uh, what's the name of the podcast? <laughs> Inside it's the Parker. It's an all-Major League Baseball podcast. <laughs> Jason Smith, Rob Parker, in for Dan and the Danettes. We got more on the NBA. What could we possibly see being an alternative to the teams playing in Vegas? We got all that and more coming up next. Keep it right here, Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Jason Smith and author Rob Parker in for Dan of the Danettes today. I hope you are having a great day. Thanks for spending some time with us here. Uh, We had a lot of NFL talk first hour of the show, deep in some NBA conversation right now as the idea the NBA could potentially play the rest of their season in Vegas is gaining a lot of momentum, at least being talked about this week. Joining us now on the hotline, three-time NBA champion with the Chicago Bulls, B.J. Armstrong. B.J., how you doing, man? I'm doing well this morning. How are you guys doing? Good, Great. Hey, good morning. You know, before we get into things, you know, how are you doing with things the past couple of weeks, living day to day, the way things have changed here in the country? Well, hey, thanks for asking. First of all, we are uh, we're managing here in the uh, Armstrong house household, and we're just you know trying to do our part every single day. And uh, with three kids, a, a four year old, it's uh it's 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 been disruptive, but you know, like like all, oh, we are we're we're, we're figuring it out and uh, just going about it and uh, trying to find the the humor as we go along to maintain some form of sanity here. But uh, overall, uh, we can't complain, and uh, you know, we're just out here, uh, you know, keeping our prayers and wishes the best for all, and uh, you know, encouraging people to stay safe, stay home, and uh, do what we can. And I think, like all of us, we're gaining uh, even more of an appreciation for teachers, considering all the lessons being taught at home now and trying to figure things out. And I'm saying to myself, Absol- yeah, I, absolutely. I, I don't really know anything about this math. That's <laughs> <laughs> for sure. You, hey, you, uh, you didn't so- know it when you were in school, and you don't know it as an adult. That's the bad part. <laughs> <laughs> no, what BJ needed to know was this shot's worth two points, this shot's worth three points. All right, there's we're right here. At the- so. Uh, as as we get closer to what you know could hopefully be the return of the NBA, BJ Rob and I were talking about this idea that the NBA is going to play in Vegas. Uh, is this something that can really uh, come to fruition? We can quarantine the players and they can finish the regular season and play the playoffs in Las Vegas. Well, you know, at this point, you know, in speaking to teams and owners and 
you know, people that I've had an opportunity to speak with, um, I don't think anyone knows, right? There are a lot of ideas that are out there, uh, certainly that has been tossed around the potential of teams and going out trying to finish the season in an environment like that where they kind of isolate the players. But to be honest with you, uh, and the people I've been speaking with, no one knows. But certainly uh, everyone is open for ideas. I think the, the owners and the, the league would, would love the opportunity to play if possible. But I think the safety of all, right? And uh, I think we understand what's what's at risk here. And the, uh, we have a lot of things to to really concentrate on and really you know, touch upon before we can start playing sports. But certainly that is something that has been thrown around. Um, I'm not sure whether it happens or not at this time, but uh, it's definitely an idea. Yeah, I, I, I get it. You know, there's a big financial hook. The NBA doesn't want to uh, let go by. We saw what happened, you know, with the China situation cost them a lot of money. And now to, to BJ lose this season, it would be devastating financially. Even these leagues that, that make a tremendous amount of money, there's a lot of television money on the table and all kinds of stuff. But ultimately, do you believe players would go for that? I mean, I just, I just look at it. I understand it's your job. You want to play. But to be isolated from your family, your friends, and to, to play basketball games during these times, I, I don't know if, if, if that's doable. You know, that, that's, a, that's a great question here. I, I think the bigger – the bigger part uh, of this is from a player's perspective is the amount of time it would take to get in some type of condition to play. Right. Um, The, you know, thinking that players are just going to, you know, get ready in a week or two to come back and play. I I think that's unrealistic. If we're talking, you know, the, the mindset or the, the take on what it takes to get yourself prepared to go out there and play a game. So um, I think most players, would love to play and participate and play if possible. I just don't know, Rob, if there's enough time to get everyone ready to play, right, and play the game at the level that it, you know, that we're accustomed to watching. But more importantly, is there enough time for these athletes to get in some type of shape, right? Not only individually get together as a team, where do you go, how do you play, so forth and so on. So, um, But in these times, I think with the uncertainty that swirls around all of us, um, I think we're just kind of taking it day by day and just try to figure this out as we go along. I don't think anyone really has the answer. Um, but the first thing when I heard about this, Vegas, it's, you know, is the conditioning of the athletes, right? And uh, as you see, when we had the lockouts, um, you know, it exposes everyone to different type of things, right? The teams, conditioning, injuries, so forth and so on, when you try to cram something in, you know, it, it takes time, and uh, these guys make it look so easy, these athletes we're, we're talking about now. But you know what? Um, we'll see. We'll see how it works out. I, but I think generally to answer your question, I think most players would like to play in some capacity, in some form. Um, but I just don't know if that's possible at this moment. You know, BJ, I think it's going to actually come down to something really simple, uh, you know, much more simpler than, than that. And let me, let me put you back in the league for a second. Let me, let me give you back, you know, a few years, and, you know, you're an NBA player right now and get you back in and everything else. All right, you like this, right? We're going back. We're, we're, yeah, we're going back. I, I, like, this. Is good. I like this. You know, I'll, I like I'll get this. you back. And 
things are happening, and in a couple of months, it's the NBA says, okay, we're ready to play again, um, but we're going to have to play in a controlled environment, and mm-hmm. we are not going to play in front of fans because we don't know that it's safe yet, but you players, we think it's safe for you to play and bang bodies with each other. And you have to make that decision to say, okay, I'm ready to go play or I'm going to play it safe because we still don't know enough about this and stay home with my family. What's your, when, when it comes down to that, what's your decision going to be? Well, I, I think the NBA, I think that's the one thing the NBA has done they will have that level of communication with, with the players in the league. And, and I don't think that will even be a question where they will expose players without understanding uh, what's fact from fiction, right? And I think the, the health of the players and all is the, concern, is the main concern, one, two, and three. So um, I could see that being, you know, your question. I think I understand that. But I don't think the NBA would even take that risk uh, moving forward, because what you don't want to do, if I'm the NBA and if I'm the league, I don't want to jeopardize the start of next season for sure, any shape, in, in, in any in any form, right? Um, we're trying to salvage this in this end of the season, right? We've already played about 75% of it. I don't think at all, I think all 30 teams really share, if there's one thing that they all share, is they don't want to jeopardize the start of next season in any way by – putting at risk the health of a player that would really push back the next season or, or worst case scenario, you know, you miss, you know, you miss all of next season because of this. So I think that would be the long-term play and thinking about this big picture. Um, so I don't think they would do that. PJ, obviously you play with Michael Jordan. Uh, what, what, what do you uh, expect out of this 10 part uh, documentary, the last dance, which chronicles, uh, his final season with the Bulls. What do you expect to get from that? Well, you know, I, the more I, I, I see it and you see the interest, you know, Robbie, as a, as a player, you don't know. I mean, at least I wasn't aware that, oh, wow, there was so much interest in, in the team. I knew we were good. I knew there were a lot of people back then that, that followed the Bulls. But here we are with some 20, 30 years later, and there's still interest. And I was like, wow, you know, this is a – you know, there is a lot of fanfare around, you know, what those teams were able to accomplish, in particular Jordan. I I hope that you get an opportunity to see his preparation, when I say he, Michael Jordan's preparation for the game. And I hope he shows or at least touches upon his true love for the game of basketball. Right? Like, you know, everyone talks about they love it and they do their things, but he – truly loved the sport and he loved competition he loved to prepare for it and he, he and i think that's unique with him because he was such a gifted athlete but he attacked the game in such a way that you know he was, he was like a blue collar player that was trapped inside this wonderful athletic you know you know body um he was just every single day he with the attention to detail so i hope if anything he allows people to see his preparation, his true mindset of how he attacked the game of basketball, how he was, you know, he was a true student of the game. He loved it. And um, and that's the one thing, you know, that I, I hope he opens up with because um, to watch how he would, he knew everything that was going on. He knew all of the other team's plays. He knew our plays. He knew every position. He knew the, the scouting reports. Uh, he knew need plays, and he was his detail and, and level 
that he really took the game was like something very unique. Um, he just didn't show up and play. And um, and I, as I've said over and over again, you know, as great as he was in the games, and they'll have a lot of game tape, I hope they have something in practice because he was the greatest practice player I've ever seen. I've never seen someone be able to play the game at the level he played and then would turn around and repeat the same effort level every you day were, in practice. You were drafted in 1989, and was it true that Jordan kind of said that you were the only – the last rookie he was accepting or whatever on the team. What, what was that about? Give us that story. He, he didn't want any rookies, but he, he accepted you. Well, I'm not sure about that one. You know, I'll have to check with him. You know, if, if so, I'm glad I was the last rookie uh, that came by. But I, I think when you when you when you're a star player, when you're a player in this league, you you quickly learn that you know what you're going to win with experience. And if you're going to beat the best teams and you're going to compete at that level, there's a certain mental toughness that you have that you have to have, and you have to have experience. Experience is part of that makeup, right? And if we were going to win, and he was in year what seven or eight at that time, right, in '89 yeah. or '90, somewhere around there, uh, we were going to have to win with experienced players, right? You need talented players, but you need experienced players because mentally, the mental challenge to me, is, is bigger than the physical challenge. So Jordan, I think he understood it. And when I came into the league, he was at a point in his career where he was ready to win, right? You're going to win in this league when your best players are ready to win. Mentally, he was ready. He had won all the awards. He had, you know, did everything individually that he needed to do to figure out who he was as an individual player. But now I think he was going over to the biggest phase of your career is when you realize that, you know what, the game wasn't meant to be played by one person. The game was meant to be played as a team. And that's where I caught him in his career when he understood that. And once he understood that, you know, the rest is history. He was able to win, you know, six championships. He did everything he needed to do. And he was able to implement his individual talent into the team, right? We had a team, we had a, a framework of how we played, right, called the triangle offense. And Jordan was able to integrate you know, his individual skill set and understand that he had to stop playing the game, right? Just going out there scoring points and entertaining, that's fun. You can still do that, but you have to do it now with a purpose. And the purpose is we need your skill set to win the game. And that's what made him such a phenomenal player is he was a phenomenal finisher. Our job was to play the first 44 minutes, keep it close. His job was to take the last four minutes and win the game. And it's a combination it's a rare combination because you don't find many players who can actually execute that, right? You can do it time for, you know, sometimes you can do it, sometimes you can't. Consistently every single night, if the game was within four or five points in the last four minutes, Michael Jordan was going to win that game. And that's what his greatest gift was. He could finish. He was going to finish a game, and he had a mindset that he didn't mind, and he accepted failure, right? He was fearless that way. And um, I think that's why he's arguably the greatest player to ever play is because of mentally how he channeled his energy every single night. He was able to reach greatness and peek into that zone more times than not. And the consistency in which he did it was just amazing to watch as a pro athlete myself. Three-time NBA champ B.J. Armstrong with us here on the Dan Patrick Show. Jason Smith, Rob Parker. Uh, do you know how much you're in it? Have you gotten any, uh, any, any, any visual of it yet or no? I, I do not. Um, I, what I do know is when Michael does call, right? Or he normally calls, just checks in, and says hello. But he personally called to ask me to make sure that 
you know, to ask me would I, you know, do that. When he, when he, that's, when he does something like that, I know it, 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 it's special for him. So, um, you know, he called and asked me. It's been over a year ago that I did the interview, so I have no idea. Um, but I'm, I'm really, you know, looking forward to it because you, you know, there's so many questions about Jordan, but there's so many things that he's kept private, and I think that's the one thing. You know, we we just knew him as, as Michael, as MJ, but then there's this Air Jordan character, right? That people are just fascinated with, you know, of, you know who he was. So hopefully, you'll get a chance to see the person here, like we saw every single day. And um, so we'll see. You know, we'll see when it comes out. So BJ, if if LeBron James releases highlights of himself the same day that Michael Jordan's uh, documentary come out, which comes out, which one are you watching? <laughs> All right, you, you always put me on the spot. <laughs> you always put me on the spot. Well, I, I've seen, I, 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 I've seen most of the highlights of probably both of them by now. You know, with all of the internet and and social media and so forth. But you know, my, my guy Jordan, I, I really, I'm really excited for this one because of the impact not only on the court but off the court. You know. The whole, you know, Jordan, the shoes and what it did to the culture, what it did to the community. And here we are, you know, you know, 25, 30 years later, we're still talking about um, this man, what he was able to do on the court and his impact. So I'm just really excited for it because now you have a new generation of young kids who never even saw him play still wearing the Jordan shoes. And I just always chuckle to myself, right? You know, like, wow, that was I wish I would have known that then. <laughs> you know, I didn't, just have no idea. And um, it, it's always funny when I walk around to this day, wherever I'm at in the world, people will always come up to me and say, hey, I remember you on those Jordan teams. So you never know the impact, right? The impact of television, the impact of radio and, and all of these things. And when you have a, a global icon like a Jordan and uh, you see what he was able to do and his impact on the game, and you see all these young kids today you know, Luka Doncic and all of these young kids uh, from all around the world, you see what it could be. And um, and it's 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 going to be fun to watch. I just want to see the response, and, and, and especially during a time like this, I think it will be a great opportunity to peek inside the mind of a genius because he truly was a genius at basketball. On Twitter, at BJ Armstrong. You can follow him there. BJ, appreciate your time, man. Thanks so much. Look forward to seeing the doc whenever it happens. All right. That's right. Thank you, guys. You guys stay safe. Stay safe, right. BJ. Yep. You know, it's funny, Rob, to see BJ say things like, you know, we ran a thing called the triangle offense. And, you know, hey, people, you know, want are going to see the passion Michael Jordan had for the game. And there's such a disconnect for me because, of course, I know the passion Jordan had. I, I lived it. Of course, I know the triangle offense. And then I have to realize that this is really going to be mainly for the people who just had no idea. Because, look, you know, the, Jordan's last glory days was well over 20 years ago. And, I, you know, you know, you and I doing sports for a living, you know, that history. History is right in front of our face every day. But for so many people, it's like, yeah, I want to see why everybody's so crazy about this Jordan guy. Yeah, I can see highlights and stuff, but how good was he really? And, and that's a real disconnect, I think, that, that's going to get solved with this documentary. Oh, there's no, there's no doubt about it. And for a guy like me who was covering the NBA during that time, you know, I was there when Michael made that shot over Craig Elo. Jason, mm-hmm. I was sitting courtside. I mean, I had, a, I had the greatest seat in the building. At center court. I'll, I'll never forget that. And I, I was an NBA writer. I was covering first the Nets, then the Knicks for the Daily News in New York at that time. So I, when I see the Jordan stuff, it brings back a lot of memories. And I'll tell you this. Even back then, when we were covering it at that point, 
we knew how special that guy was, that we were fortunate to be watching him at the time we did. Twitter at How About a Fresca, Rob at Rob Parker FS1, Jason Smith and Rob Parker in for Dan and the Danettes. We'll have more NBA coming up on the show, but straight ahead, we got a big story out of the NFL, a wide receiver posting video of him working out with a quarterback who wants to get back in the league, and it's not Antonio Brown. That's coming up next right here, Fox. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. You know, stop me if you heard this one before. Here's a wide receiver who wants to get back in the NFL, posting video on social media, working out with a quarterback. Except it's not Antonio Brown. It's actually Des Bryant, former Cowboys wideout, putting out a a picture up on Twitter yesterday of himself after he finished out a workout with Dak Prescott and a couple of other players in which he writes, Dak and myself just finished a great workout session, picked up where we left off. Now, Rob, there's two things with with this story. The the first thing is that I'm not a big fan of the picture because you're not practicing social distancing, right? They're they're got their arms around each other. Is there, you know, regardless to when the workout was, it's not a good look to be putting pictures online of here's me with my arms around each other. Especially if I'm going to give Dak Prescott thirty eight million dollars, I want his decision making to be a little bit better than that. But the the main thing is, you know, for a guy like Des Bryant and Antonio Brown, it's like they got to know when it's over. And Antonio Brown has too much legal things hanging over his head, and he's too much of a wild card. No one's going to sign him. Dax, uh, Dez has been out of the league for a while now, and no one's going to be – he was diminished when he left the league, when, when he refused the contract with the Ravens. No one's going to bring him back now. The Cowboys have been nice to him. You know, and this is, you know, people being nice to him, you know, working out with quarterbacks. I, I just think sometimes guys need to see when it's over. Yeah, but I, I don't think that guys do believe that. They still believe that there's always going to be a chance. Someone, you know, there's going to be injuries. These guys aren't 40 years old. They see Tom, Tom Brady still playing, and I, I know it's different for a wide receiver. But uh, I'm not mad at guys who want to stay in shape and think that there was a chance. Don't forget, Dez had an opportunity to go with the Saints, and then he just got hurt and couldn't get back out there. So if he feels like I was that close to having another opportunity, and I'm healed now. I want to go out there by throwing with some of the top quarterbacks and and having those guys throw to them. It brings attention to them. It's not like they're in a high school and some Joe Blow's throwing the ball. you got some of the top quarterbacks throwing the ball to these guys, and that's uh, how they hope to get some interest from uh, teams. And maybe somebody will call one of those quarterbacks and say, hey, Dak, how did he look, blah, blah, blah. You know, what would you think? And then, uh, yeah, he was great. He was cutting. He was moving. He was doing great. And then maybe they might find some interest in him. So I, I get it. Well, but, Rob, he hasn't played in three years. He was, I get it. He's Didn't the Cowboys just old. sign a player who hadn't played since 15? Hey, yeah, Alden, but Alden Smith. Smith. Yeah, but when he no, left I'm, the game. Since tw- but since 2015, five sure, right. seasons. No, I get Look, the Cowboys take a chance, but he's a guy that was at the top of his game when he last played in the NFL. Des Bryant was a guy they had to part ways with because he wasn't that good anymore. You know, he didn't suddenly get better in the last three years. No, I get that, but I'm just saying if a guy who hadn't played in the league for five years can get a chance, guys who have been out for three years or, or a year and a half or two years, they're going to hope – that somebody has a spot for them, especially if somebody gets hurt. That's all. 
Twitter at How About a Fresca, Rob at Rob Parker, FS1, phone numbers 877-99 on Fox, Jason Smith and Rob Parker. In for Dan and the Danettes today, we got more NFL coming up. Got Marcellus Wiley stopping by next hour on the show, about a half hour or so from now. But coming up next, the last 24 hours has told us exactly where the NFL draft is going to turn. We'll tell you about it next. This is Fox.